Hello and welcome to Plotris. This is Meg. This is Lane. And today we're talking about Every Rogue Has His Charm by Susanna Craig. This was published in 2022 and is the fourth book in the Love and Let's Spy series. And full disclosure, we did receive a complimentary copy of this book. And full disclosure, I love the song Every Rose Has Its Sworn and I'm Not Sorry. <laughs> oh, is that what it was making a reference to? That? Okay. <laughs> Meg and I just went out to dinner, and she did not know most of the songs on the playlist. I didn't. Because they were published in, like, the early aughts. How do you... You can't argue that age is the reason you don't know every rose has its thorn. No, I'm not arguing that. I just didn't know that... I didn't know... I didn't know that that's what this was referencing. I, I don't know, like, every dog has his day, or... But I, I guess mean, every rogue has hit... Charm makes more sense to be like every rose. Okay, do I know for sure that's what Susanna Craig was thinking of? No, I do not. Phonetically, am I pretty sure? Yes, I am. I'm not disputing the fact. Okay. Uh, We have reviewed the first three in this series. They are all available uh, in the podcast Wayback Machines. And we did like them in general. We did. I mean, we like historical spies. So it's kind of a gimme. Well, and we like novelists. Right. There's a lot. There's a lot of gimmies in this series. A lot of them. Book jacket. Book jacket. Caroline Marchioness of Chesley has been married for six years, at least in name. In fact, Caro has hardly seen her husband since the early days of their union. Scarred and reclusive, Maxime wasn't ready to trust his wife with his secrets or his heart. Instead, he quickly resumed his life of espionage in France. Believing Kara was better off alone. Whether the spy who left her returns upon inheriting... Whoops, not whether. I was expanding at the same time. When the spy who left her returns upon inheriting the dukedom, he finds his wife is not the girl she once was. Her heart is a little harder. She's learned to stand on her own. Yet the desire that once ignited between them burns as hotly as ever. Now, the more Carol learns about the past Maxime tried to hide from her, the deeper the bond grows. But danger haunts her husband's every move, jeopardizing their passionate reunion. I have comments. What are your comments? Their reunion is not very passionate. Their reunion is not very passionate. My comment is, like, isn't it just the desire is as hot as ever? It's not like the way it's burning. It's the fact that the desire is hot. Um, hotly, hotly burns as hot as ever. I don't think hotly is a word. I don't think hotly is a word. I I thought you were initially being argumentative about the burning. No metaphor, but no, it, I can understand the the burn like it's an Olympic flame that sure, never went yeah, out. That's fine. But hotly, yeah, I, yeah no, I agree. Uh, this may be the most pedantic we've ever been about a book jacket. <laughs> Maybe I think. Actually, we were pretty pedantic about another one because I remember having a grammar debate. But we did just go out to dinner, and I did have a little bit more to drink than I usually do. And I don't remember what episode that was. Sorry. I'm really happy that Meg's the tipsy one for once. All right. So, um, as usual, we generated a random number between 1 and 50, and then wrote our own summaries using that number as the word count. This week, that number was 37. Um, So I'll start. TBH, when I started this, I had deja vu for the Duchess deal, but then he bounced. 
So a whole other couple got 40% of the plot. Fair. So the reason I'm being very specific, as you may recall the Justice deal by Tessa Dare, he's scarred, but marries to sire an heir, which is not the case here. Um, but so he insists on fucking with the lights out and from behind and not letting her touch or really acknowledge his scars. So like literally, I started this in the middle of the night after finishing another book. And I was like, I think I've read this before. (laughs) (laughs) And so I literally went searching my Kindle and then like three pages later, and it was like, and then he left for six years. And I was like, oh, never mind. I have not read this before. I haven't read this one. But I think in some ways that's a compliment, like really excellent, excellent use of tropes here. Yes. But I do think we're going to talk a lot about the fact that they spend so much time not touching to the point that a whole other couple who we hoped were going to get a book of their own just randomly gets like half this book. So before we get into that, Meg, what was your 37-word summary? My 37-word summary is Maxime is emotionally and physically scarred. He doesn't believe in love, but his wife starts to close the distance. He makes it literal Mm. by running off to France. But now he's back. There's nowhere left to run. I don't know that Maxine doesn't believe in love. Like, it's not a philosophical debate for him. (laughs) He just doesn't... mm, Love is painful. Yes, and he's... He's the person who's, like, thrown his whole life into spying and with the intention of being close to no one. He wants no more scars because he's got a lot of scars. I just want to be clear. Like, there are a lot of I don't believe in love heroes, so I have a harem of women I don't care about. Yeah, that's that's not his character. No, no, no. His character is not, like, feelings don't exist and are meaningless. His character is I am too scarred to be in society. His, his character is feelings exist and they hurt you. Yes, exactly. So you should do the most that you can not to feel them. He doesn't believe love is a good thing. Correct. Not he doesn't believe in love as a principle. Right. So, just tropes. We, we gotta just, that's it. It's tropey. We gotta talk yeah. about what kind of male trope he yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like the big trope is he's got scars. He's got so many scars, Lane. He's got scars on his body. He's got scars in his emotions. He has scars in his, his, his mind. Like everything is scarred. Yep. So the romantic trope is compromised and forced to wed. Yes. But the twist being they weren't doing anything scandalous and they could have gotten away with it. He could have gotten away with it for sure. Well, but she, they didn't know she was a man. They thought she was in the library getting books and they were yelling at her for being out at night. Oh, if he had stayed in and hidden. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like they didn't know he was there with her. So she could have gotten off with just a scolding for being in a library at night where she wasn't supposed to be on her own. And he could have ducked out after everyone left and no one would have been any the wiser that they were together. He makes the very deliberate choice. And this is the prologue. So I'm not spoiling anything. He makes the very deliberate choice to expose that they were accidentally stuck together, even though nothing scandalous had occurred, Mm -hmm. in the attempt to do something honorable. Right. And I thought that was actually a really poignant twist. Yeah. That added depth that I don't think a lot of compromised in the prologue books get. Yeah. Um, as the book jacket explains, he leaves for six years after they get married. What did you feel about that length of time? You know how I feel about that length of time, Lane. Did you feel like his ending up getting caught in the mission spying was like good enough justification that it wasn't just him being a dick and staying away? 
No. Okay. What did you think? I understood it more than guy who became a pirate. Yeah. Okay. This this actually reminds me of that Elizabeth Boyle, Boyle? short story. The one novella? based on the fairy tale. Yeah. Yes. Have you any robes? Yeah, that's the one. It's a total second chance romance. I think they're going to be together. He goes off to Paris and he gets, he's a prisoner of war. Right. And so like, yeah, you're a prisoner of war. Fine. You know, the ugly Duchess, Eloisa James. That's the pirate. Right. The ugly Duchess, does he run away too? Uh, yeah, he runs away because she discovers that he married her under false pretenses. Yes. Okay. So point is. <laughs> the point is, man <laughs> runs away within a week of the wedding day. Yes. Trope. Yes. Because we've just named three that were, like, confusing. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, so because he runs away and he comes back, it's a second chance romance. Yes. Kinda. Kinda. I, I, okay, I have to say I like second chance romance in historical a lot more than I like second chance romance in contemporary in contemporary, it's like you have a choice not to be with this person. And in historical, it's like second chance romance almost turns into marriage of convenience. Because mm-hmm. it's like you have no choice but to be with this person if you want to have legitimate children. Right. You know? I, 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 because it was such an impulsive decision for them to get together. Yeah. That it wasn't a love match. It was not like he'd wronged a woman who like had emotional expectations of him. Combined with spy shit, I could forgive the length of time. I, I wish it were shorter. I do too, but they were trying to line up the timeline to events in France. Yeah, whatever. I do like a little historical accuracy in my historical romance, so shoot me. Not me. <laughs> Not Meg. <laughs> Just lame. <laughs> um, so he's got like a lot of scars. Twist. Waterloo hero, but the scars are not from Waterloo. Scars are from the horrible family of origin times two because she also has terrible family of origin. Yeah, so for the record, though, he wasn't, like, beaten into being scarred. He and his parents were left impoverished by a grandfather who cut them off. His father got extremely ill. When running to get the doctor, he was struck by lightning. (laughs) And got in a horrible carriage accident? No, it was a horse accident. Right, but was it He wasn't in a carriage. Yes, a leg was involved. Yeah. But he was on horseback. Sorry. And he, like, fell off the horse, and his Mm -hmm. leg got caught in the stirrup, and he was dragged, and then the horse fell. It was, like, a lot. I mean, this is intense shit. Yeah, no, so he's, for the record, like, battle-scarred hero. But not battle scars, though. Just scars. Scarred hero. But but battlefield hero with pre-existing scars. Yes. And then they were made worse by... The treatment of his grandfather. The emotional scars, especially. (laughs) Yeah, so speaking of that, um, he is estranged from the man with the title. Mm -hmm. I think we see a lot of heirs for one reason or another, whether it's their father, their grandfather, a distant uncle, a cousin, whatever, who are estranged from the man with the title who wished they would have had, in his case, a less disabled heir. Yeah. So I said his family of origin is pretty awful, so it's hers. That's actually the reason that they get married, that he, like, nobly volunteers to marry her. It's because he realizes that her father is such a horrible guy. Yeah. It's 
Free travel. I wish he'd been a little less cognizant of that because that was sort of my one beef with him leaving her, but that mm -hmm. was textual. Like, that's her big beef with him leaving her, too. Yep. So. See? Uh, there's a secondary romance here. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's a trope, but they have a lot of tropes of their own. They do. And they get about 50% of the page time. They get a lot of, a lot of page time. So he's a hero scarred by the horrors of war. And she's a widow whose first marriage has led to her being kept in an ivory tower, mm -hmm. ivory basement, um, trying desperately to prove her worth as an individual, but also overcoming an abusive marriage for uh -huh. all intents and purposes. Mm -hmm. So they're both very tropey, independent. I have never read a romance novel that gave quite this much page time to the B couple. I mean, there was the one we read, remember the Naked Baron? There's like the older couple and the younger couple. And it was like almost 50-50 there too. I'm going to need a little more to jog my memory. She, so the, it was like a second chance romance for the older couple. She was married off to this like nasty guy. Anyway, she's escorting her her niece into society, and then this fair this dude sees her, and they like have an affair. And then she gets pregnant right away. And with the older couple, did he marry like her best friend and regret it? No, he wasn't married at all. He was a bachelor, and then. This is the problem with reading as many romance novels as we do. Because, like, I'm coming up with plots we've actually read. Yeah, I mean, that's I'm sure that's a plot. Anyway, there are other romances with this much secondary romance. But it's very, it's uncommon. Yeah. It's the most I can remember right now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And then the villain, the obvious villain is obvious. Treasonous. I knew, like, I knew immediately, immediately You're supposed to, though. I don't, okay, good. I don't really think that was meant to be subtle. Um, and you may recall the underlying thing weaving all of these books together is that in this case, the spy master, you have two options as, we've, as we have discussed. Either the spy master is an asshole who's probably treasonous and his men have to turn against him. Yep. And he's this father figure who, like, yep. taught them everything they know, but they have to rebel against him. Yep. Or he's this military mastermind with a heart of gold who actually just wants to see his men happy. Yep. This guy's the latter. Which and his version of see his men happy means being a meddling matchmaker. And it is hilarious. I, I love it. It's such a nice through line for a series, too. Like, it's such a fun, unifying theme for the series. I agree. My biggest criticism of this book, mm -hmm. honestly, is that the B-plot in it, I really want it to be its own text. Me too. I really feel like this series got cut short. I agree with you. I totally agree with you. That's 100% my biggest criticism as well. And part of it is because, so I mentioned their reunion isn't that spicy. Mm -hmm. This book opens hot as hell. Oh, yeah. Like, they get compromised, have a wedding night have a follow-up to the wedding night, and it's all a very nice introduction to what I thought would be a very nice sex book. Then he runs away and comes back, and they don't even kiss. Nope. Until, like, 80% in? 
I and look, the thing is, I don't blame her. Like, I don't blame them. I don't think it's bad writing or anything like that. Like, it's good character development, but not spicy though. And so what? Susanna Craig did was add this other couple who had in some ways a lot less angst and a lot more heat mm-hmm. to sort of keep it spicy the whole time. But I think what it ultimately did in some ways was sacrifice the character development of all parties involved. Yeah, I agree with you. So like excellent use of tropes, really fun series. We're a sucker for spies as everyone knows. Um, but there's just so much packed into a pretty short book. That getting emotionally invested was yeah, not easy. Yeah. All of these, every single book in this series has been relatively short, which in my opinion didn't detract from the previous three in the series. Like they were short, but they were intense, mm-hmm. right? Like you read it, you got what was going on, and you finished it. This book is not much longer than them, but it has two full romances. And... In both cases, romances that have been alluded to, if not fully set up in previous books. Mm-hmm. So the secondary romance, which again got 40% of the plot, is between Fitz Hopkins and Fanny Drummond. Yes. Fitz was imprisoned and tortured by the French. Yeah, that was in book two. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Fanny's husband had been a spy, but was personally a big bag of dicks. Mm-hmm. And I don't think enough time is spent talking about everybody I, else's feelings about that dude. I would have like I, I, one book, one of the heroes understood what right. was going on there. Right, right, right. I mean, that's that's the biggest thing. Is like I because there wasn't enough time to focus on the um because excuse me because there this was a shortish short-ish book that had two full romances in it there wasn't enough time to get like a full character development for either couple Mm -hmm. like for any of the members of any of the couples so instead Susanna King really relies on tropes and for a sex book we just talked about time to get you and how much we loved that but for characters, for what is the finale of a series that we yes. really enjoy and at this point we're really invested in, especially Max and Caro got less time yeah. in the previous books. Yep. I was really invested in Fanny like finding her own happiness. Me too. Even though she has the world's worst name. Yeah. Just acknowledging that. Um, and I think I was disappointed by her in particular. Yeah. And not that I thought any of her choices were like inauthentic, but she'd been so manipulated and you'd gotten so many perspectives of other people about her Mm -hmm. that I think I was really excited to hear her speak with her own voice. Mm -hmm. And I think that the fact that she was a spy, but ultimately secondary to Caro in this book. Yeah. It meant I didn't get the growth from her or yeah. the depth from her that I felt like I'd been waiting for for a while. Yeah. This Look, this relationship between Fanny and Fitz was one that, if it had its own book, could have been, like, a favorite of mine. Mm-hmm. Like, Fanny's, like, what, 30 years old. Fitz is, like, 24, 25. So there's, like, a reverse age gap. 
she's been married before. He has had very few relationships. Like, this is a relationship I, I would have been extremely interested in seeing, like, in its own book. Like, in its own book. As so I was like, the one thing I was disappointed in was, like, I thought there was going to be another book in the series. And so both of these plot lines felt rushed. Yep. I don't feel like I got the emotional depth from characters I'd heard about in previous books. Like, uh -huh. this is the end. I want a real payoff. Getting two, yes. Getting two stories shoehorned into the finale. It's not a payoff. You might think it's a payoff, like two for the price of one. But no, I want, like, one intense relationship. And I think Fanny was a very sympathetic character uh -huh. in the I, first couple of series. I totally agree. And I don't... I think having her reduced to marriage permanently scarred me. I don't want to do it again. And also now my life's mission is to be a spy. Didn't feel like an organic transition. Well, and I if, needed more to make that yeah, fit. And if I liked Carol and Maxime. Like, I yeah, wasn't like disappointed in their story. I actually wasn't. I could have done with more. I could have had more. I agree that them waiting to have sex until 80% makes sense. Yep. Maybe even waiting, waiting to kiss. But I feel like if you cut the Mrs. Drummond and Lieutenant Hopkins stuff, there would have been a lot more accidentally pinned together in the hallway or forced to dance at a local, local society ball. And like, in addition to the emotional stuff they were trying to forage, like a little bit more forced proximity yeah. that would have made it feel like the stakes were higher. Like they were actually trying to resist each other to put the emotions first. Yeah. I respect the choice to put the emotions first, but it didn't feel like there was temptation not to. Or if she was even like, like if there was a moment in the hall where they were like really going to kiss and then she's like, I want you to court me. I don't want to feel like this was a default yes, relationship. To add on to that, there's a mystery in this book. Mm -hmm. And Meg and I made it clear. We think the bad guy was obvious from the beginning. Mm -hmm. But accidents keep occurring, and there's sort of a debate as to whether they're intentional or not. His loyalty to the crown, Max's, is being doubted, um, and he needs to prove his innocence, and he sort of figures that out. There's like This could have been a real spy intrigue book, and all of that gets really thrust aside. Yeah, I mean, her father, what happens to him? would have been like chapters yeah. in a lot of romance well, novels. And it is like three pages. Well, and it really could have been interesting if they suspected each other mm -hmm. or like, and then the denouement is like, I don't care if you did this to my father. Like, I love you, you know? Right. I don't know. It could have been very interesting. All right. There's just a lot of unexplored potential in yeah. both stories. Yeah. Yes. It is because they were both... Because it was a double romance in a short-ish book. I mean, double romances are hard anyway. There always has to be one that gets short shrift. And then here they both kind of did, just because it is a short book. Right. The only way I think double romances work is when there's one that's explicitly the background for the whole series. Yeah. Like, each book has an A, like, a, a five-book series. Each book has an individual A romance, right. and there's a B romance happening in the background. I think that's being done really well right now, and it's a work in progress, so like I reserve the right to change my mind, by uh, Loretta Chase in the... Yes. Uh, his the, Grace with the Angel Face. The Disreputable Duke series. Thank you. Yes. Like, each of the Disreputable Dukes is the A plot, and the uncle and the guardian in the background mm -hmm. are the B plot. I She's, totally agree. That is working very well yes. right now. Yes, so well.
<gasps> so well. Oh, I can't wait to read the next one in that series. I can't believe you've been... Oh. Yes. But the point is, in this book, yeah. Fanny and Fitz have not been enough of the B-plot in the subsequent books. They've just been tertiary characters yeah. to make it feel like they and the A-plot getting payoff in the same book yeah. made sense. I agree. Content warnings? I mean, they both come from real shit homes. Yeah. When it really comes out, like, what they've both been through, it's, it's tough, you know. His scars are from the lightning strike and subsequent accident and the switches his grandfather gave him. Yeah. And then, you know, she, she may not have been physically abused by her father, but she's the only one in her family who hasn't. And her mother is currently an addict and... Yeah. Yeah. All right. Sexiness. There is a lot of sexual interaction on the page split between the two couples. Yeah. I don't think any of it breaks the mold. No. The book starts off really strong. That's the problem. Yeah. That's I, I, I mean, that, like, <laughs> it was great. Yes. That's the thing. It starts off with this, like, it's very sexy, but also there's room to grow in this, like, sexual relationship. And then that, Maxime and Carol don't have sex again until, as Lane has mentioned, like 80, 85% of the book. The conflict is resolved. Right. Which we like. But there's nothing between before the right. conflict and the conflict getting Correct. resolved. Not even a kiss, yeah. to be clear. So it's like it moves on to then Hopkins and Drummond, which, is, which was fine. Like, it was very sexy. I thought it was sexy, but it was a step back a little bit because they're starting to get to know each other. It's the beginning of their relationship. And they only had one sex scene. One and a half. There's a scene where he goes down on her, and there's a scene where they finally consummate their relationship. Right, but that one was like, anyway. Abridged. Yes. Yeah. When he goes down on her, look, it's one and a half. Okay, guys. You're right. You're, I, I, <laughs> we're just doing the math for you on air so you can understand. <laughs> We've done a lot of math out loud tonight, and it has gone badly. It's really bad. But this sex math is good, though. <laughs> the sex math is excellent. <laughs> Podcast, I want our new tagline instead of Lynn and Meg talk about books to be sex math. The sex math is good. Sex math podcast. <laughs> okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's fine. It, it is not unsexy. It is also not the sexiest book I've ever read. And I feel like making this two books would have upped the sex factor yes. so much. Even if no sex scenes were added. Look, the, the problem we have with this book is that we wanted more. Yes. Which is a good, I guess, if you have to have a problem with a book, that's the problem to have. I just wish this was like a, a book that I'd be like, five stars, I love it. Like the last book in the series. We absolutely loved it. Yeah, this should have been two books, unquestionably. Yeah. I would have, I, like, I really like the series. I really like what Susanna Craig is doing with the series. And now it's done, and it makes me sad. So, post-spoiler tags. I think I really enjoyed... This fluffy take on spying. Yes. That this whole series has sort of had. Yeah. Um, and it hasn't tried away from hardship. It's just been very cute. Yeah, it's very cute. Especially with the romance novel writer stuff yes. thrown in. And I think to have it end in such a rush, I was like, I did not pick this book up expecting it to be the last book in the series. Yes. And the reality is, it's only when. Hopkins and Drummond consummated their relationship, which was like 60, 70% in. 
that I realized like, oh, she's wrapping it all up. Like this is all going to be done. Like yeah. I didn't realize this was the last book in the series no. until more than halfway through this book. I and didn't it know. blindsided me. Yeah. Anyway, Susanna Craig, please keep writing. Yeah, I'm excited to read your next series, but if you can announce from the beginning how many books there are. How many are books are just so we can like just so we can plan ahead. Measure our expectations. We'd appreciate it. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you're enjoying the podcast, please rate, review, subscribe, and check us out around the internet, including WordPress, Goodreads, and Instagram at Potrists. Bye, y'all. I also feel like the relationship between Mr. and Mrs. Scott. Uh-huh. If, like, that had been <gasps> built out over two books instead of shoehorned into the epilogue. Yes. Would have been much better. That would have been really good. <laughs> that would have been really good. But also, you know, it would have been great. A, a, an epilogue novella about them. So now we're at two and a half books. <laughs> two so and a half book books. should have been two and a half books. <laughs> Like, we just want more of the series. It makes, and it's making me sad now that it's over. Yeah. I, do you think Susanna Craig did this? Because their happily ever after is not marriage. It is continuing to be unattached in the public eye. I'm going to be honest. I think Susanna Craig did this because she didn't have a contract for another book. Interesting. What do you think? I was seriously considering if... The absence of marriage and public commitment made this happily ever after insufficient for romance. I think you could have done that in a romance. Maybe not for the finale of a series, but I think you could have done it. She could have done their book here and then another book later. Do you know she didn't have a contract for another book? I don't. This is complete speculation. Okay. Complete speculation. You'd bet it's a choice based on book contracts. I was... I'm going to say I was extremely surprised when I got to the epilogue and it was basically like it was definitely the end of the series. Yeah. I thought the next book was going to be like maybe in a few years, Fanny and Fitz have been doing this thing and then someone wants to settle down. Maybe there's a surprise baby. There are a lot of ways it could have gone, you know? Yeah. Lost at sea. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Lost at Sea, Prisoner of War, right, that, like, Surprise Baby. You know why my brain went to Lost at I Sea. I know. But you just know, like, missing in action in yeah, some yeah, capacity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, the, there are a ton of ways it could have gone. And I, I honestly was very surprised. I, I really did think there was going to be a fifth book in the series. Same. I really did think it was going to be Fitz and Fanny. Um, but I, I guess just trying to justify it. Yeah. Like, you're right. The two options are either contractually she was mm-hmm. done with this series or plot wise she felt like something didn't work for a subsequent book and that was the biggest disappointment to me yeah me, me too i know me we too. talked we alluded to it but like it was the biggest disappointment if it had been setting up the next book her yeah. saying i'm not sure about you or even like I don't trust getting married again. He's younger than me. I He's going to want so something else. I was so excited because this is post-spoiler tag. When he says, I won't propose to you. I was like, holy hell, I'm going to get a whole romance novel where she proposes in the end. Yes. And then that conversation keeps going. Yep. And he's like, and he makes it explicit. So you'll have to propose to me. And then you get the finale. And I'm like, no, this is not what I want. It was, I, I that's exactly, that was exactly my biggest issue with this book. 